Well, welcome back to the Winner of This Podcast. My name is Nate Robinsoff, and I'm here with Pastor Joseph Tillman, MDiv, soon to be D-Man. How are you doing today, sir? I'm well. I'm well. Good. Getting into that Christmas spirit thing. Mm-hmm. Especially with the topic that we got going on today. <laughs> okay, well, I don't see any correlation between the two, but sure, why not? Uh, go to Patreon, $5. Like, subscribe, share, comment, follow, download. Facebook and Instagram is When I Heard This Podcast. And X and uh, Locals is When I Heard This. Um, today we're talking about lust. We are. Seven deadly sin number three. Here we go. Yeah. Get excited. Not too excited. <laughs> um, okay, so first question is, what is lust? Okay. I'm going to take a, just a pretty basic definition on this one, okay? okay. Um, so lust is a strong craving or desire, and usually with sexual desire. So that's pretty much the context of how we're going to be using lust in uh, our conversation today. Okay. Perfect. I didn't last, give you long enough for a clip, time. did it? <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> Whatever. <clears throat> um, cool. So strong craving or desire, usually sexual. Mm-hmm. Desire. Okay, cool. Yep. All right, what does the Bible say about lust? Well, it actually says quite a bit about it. Um, and so how about we just start with Jesus? I figure that's just the best place to start. What did Jesus say about it? Okay. Yeah. What did he say about it? Say about it. Not, not that what did Jesus experience? Okay. Yeah. What did he say about it? All right. All right. So in Matthew five, which is the sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. So Jesus is pretty uh, straightforward with that. Um, And then Paul equates lust with our carnal or unregenerate natures. Mm -hmm. So he states in Colossians 3, Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. And so he has fairly similar statements in other letters that he wrote as well. So I feel like this whole right eye thing is uh-huh. is Jesus not wanting to say, cut your dick off. Yeah, but... Cutting your penis off isn't going to necessarily stop lust. Yeah, I mean, it'll stop it a little bit. Yeah, but I think... But your eye is not going to stop it either. It's just your right one. (laughs) You can still see a bunch of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, but I think we're missing the point, probably, of what he's trying to say here, right? Okay. Like, he's trying to say lust is that serious. Okay. That it would warrant... It would be better to, to remove your eye... Than to continue in it. Okay. Yeah. Because to continue in it would be to, you know, as as he says here, basically be the, the, the road to hell. So how come he doesn't talk about any of the other seven deadly sins in cut your body parts off? <laughs> well, so if we were if to you do if, them, if we were to if we were to take, you know, this is just one little section of Matthew five, right? Yeah. So that, so what follows right after this is him telling people for it's better to cut your hand off. Oh, okay. Yeah. Than to continue to steal those kind of things. Is lust in my brain and heart or does it only happen when I do something about it? Okay, yeah. So lust is the desire in the mind, in the heart, you know, and then Acting on it is like the act of sexual immorality. Okay. Yeah. So there's so so lust is really the desire behind the act. So is lust in your in, in more in your mind or your heart? Both. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna say both because when when Jesus talks about you've already committed adultery with her in you know in in your heart. The heart idea there is that the core part of you, so it's kind of encompassing. Okay. 
the heart and the mind together. And so I would say that it's in both heart and mind. Why is this such a huge problem? Why is lust such a a giant sin? Okay. That I need to cut things off if I do it. <laughs> All right. Well, basically the problem is that it views another person just through a sexual lens. Okay. So it's objectifying them and it's valuing them for less than the image of God within them. So okay. in other words, so God wants us to be able to see every individual as his creation, as an individual that has um, value because of the image of God in them. And I think what sexual lust does. Sometimes the image of God is fine as hell, though. Hey, sometimes individuals, we're not talking about, and we'll get to this a little bit, right? We're not talking <laughs> about just what do they look like. Lust is going beyond that, right? Oh, yeah, we're going to get into that. Yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> but lust is, so, because lust, again, is reducing someone to just a physical appearance and what we think they can, quote unquote, provide for us or give to us. Okay, so how does that harm the other person? Because it's reducing them down to something less than what they are. Okay, so, yeah, all right, all right, I see yeah, what you're saying, but where's the action? My, me and my head isn't affecting right. anything about them. I see. Okay. Unless I do something about okay. it. Okay, yeah, and we'll we'll get into a further discussion of how lust actually messes with our minds, all that kind of stuff later. But in a okay. nutshell, you know, it's like Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 6 that sexual sin is not it's not outside the body. It's actually within the body. In other words, like this idea of lusting with is as actually harming. It's harming us. Okay. We will talk about how it harms relationships as well and our relationships with other people as well. But it's dishonoring unto the Lord. One. So one is a sin against. It's, it's a sin against God. Okay. Because we're dishonoring his his own creation. But then two, it's actually it is actually harming us, and we'll get into the nuances of that later. All right. So, is lust just a? Uh, I want to do the sex to a person, mm -hmm. or can lust be a? I want to do it to something not a person. Okay. So we say. <laughs> So, or just to make sure I'm hearing you right. So, are you saying is lust just the action to a person, or is lust can lust be that I wanted to have a sexual act with a goat? Is that what you're asking? Well, not like not like a goat because I get that that's that's also a okay a different topic. But like, right. but like if I uh, uh, American Pie, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> How am I going to say this on the podcast? <laughs> like, if I wanted to, if, uh, yeah, a, a cupcake. Okay. okay. Like, All right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you want a cupcake? Like, if there was, <laughs> if there was a object. Right. That, that you were sexually lusting sexually after? Sexually lusting after. Okay. That I then acted upon okay. sexually too. Okay. Like. <laughs> yeah okay I like, like right. the vcr right. <laughs> you know what i mean okay. is that bad is that harming i mean it's not harming the vcr <laughs> unless i break the vcr <laughs> so okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right oh lord um <laughs> You ask some of the craziest questions. All right. So. <laughs> um, like if, if, right. if that's going through my brain. Right. right. Is, is that is that lust or does it have to be a human being? Okay. No, it can be it can be anything that has been created. Okay. Yeah. So including the goat. <laughs> including the goat. Okay. Yeah. Including the goat, including the VCR, all of that. So. That's kind of what Paul begins talking about in Romans 1. Okay. It's actually something similar to that. So let me go to Romans 1 real quick and put some biblical context to what you're asking. I grew up in the 90s. Right. There were VCRs there's, everywhere. 
VCRs were everywhere. Uh, you were using VCRs very differently than I was. All right, so <laughs> Romans, Romans 1. All right, verse 21. Mm-hmm. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Okay. Instead, their thinking became worthless, and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be, wa- to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over in the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served what has been created instead of the Creator. And I and I think so. A couple of things. It sounds in like this. idols. Yeah, but it's 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 actually not just idols because you know in verse twenty four it talks about that God delivers them over to the lust of their hearts, to sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. And before that, he talks about their thinking became worthless; their senseless hearts were darkened. In other words, that all of these all of, like. Anytime this desire, this lust, okay, is put toward something or someone that's outside of the context of a covenant marriage relationship, okay, it's it's actually showing the depravity within us because God's turning them over not to like these, not to something else, but to the actually the desires that's actually already there within them, and so. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then verse. 20... So this verse liter- literally is talking about a- anything else that you lust after at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then he talks. So my and... question wasn't that far off then. No, it actually wasn't. Just the framing of it was okay. Funny. All right. So, but <laughs> verse twenty six uh, says, "For this reason, God delivered them over to disgraceful passions or disgraceful lust." Okay. And so in this, in other words, it's this continuing part of God turning people over unto their, to themselves, okay. to the baseness of themselves. And verse 28 is kind of like the final part of that and says, because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind so that they do what is not right. They are filled with all unrighteousness, etc. And so I think that what you see in this is this continual part of God turning us over to our own selves. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So believe it or not, uh huh, I'm married to a woman. Are you really? Yeah. Amazing. Right. Incredible. Anyway, so am I ever allowed to be lustful? Okay. It, like, as in, I'm married, and I. Am am I allowed to, I guess, view her as a something to sex with? Okay. Only sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So to have sexual desire for your wife Mm -hmm. is perfectly fine. It's perfectly normal. Okay. And that's lust. Yeah. So remember the the word that's translated as lust throughout scripture is used in it's used in the negative connotation the way we've been framing it okay where it's this idea of sexual desire for someone that's not our spouse right because like jesus says in matthew 5 sermon on the mount if you're lusting for a woman in your heart says you've committed a it's, it's as if you've committed adultery with her so obviously that's out of the context you're lusting for a woman outside of the marriage context Okay, because if it was within the marriage context, you have that lustful desire. That's not committing adultery. That's with your wife. Okay. Okay. And so, um, and and also, there's actually there's actually examples in scripture where the idea of this strong desire is actually um, not a, a quote unquote evil thing. So the word in of itself, well, I'm getting to, is not inherently evil or okay. wrong. But in the way that we've been talking about it, and that's why I said the context we're going to be talking about it, 
is with this idea of sexual desire. Okay, so, so, but, it, like, if there's ever a point where that's all, all I viewed her as in the moment, is that a sin? I think, yeah, I think the problem becomes when your only desire for her is sexual. Okay. So in other words, there's no desire for friendship, for companionship, etc. In other words, you're just looking at her as a sexual object to fulfill your sexual cravings. But is that okay to do for five minutes? To to view her as to have strong sexual desire, and that's what you're. Yeah. <laughs> so like, <laughs> okay. So, but like, if at that moment that's the only thing that my core being wants <laughs> is sex yes yeah is that a problem okay is that sinning in that all right period of time let me let paul answer your question okay so in first corinthians 7 all right 8 through 9 paul says this i say to the unmarried and to widows it's good for them if they remain as i am in other words paul was single and he was saying i think it'd be best if you remain single as well but he goes on to say but if they do not have self-control, they should marry. So this is better to marry than to burn with desire. Okay. And so what Paul's saying, and if you read the full context of 1 Corinthians 7, in regards to marriage, he actually tells husbands and wives, hey, don't deprive one another of sex. You know, um, make sure that you're having sex. You know, that that's part of the marriage relationship. Okay. It's not withheld unless there's this conversation of why it's being withheld. Um, there has to be an agreement upon it, in other words. And so, the, so in other words, when, when, we have a, when we're having sex with our, you know, like when, if I'm having sex with my wife, that's, yeah, sexual desire is at the forefront there, obviously. Right. So is that sinning? No, okay. it's not. No. That's the only time that lust is not a sin. Is in the context of marriage. Oh, okay. Yes. So in other words, I can fantasize about my wife, all that, all, like, that's all fine. Okay. All on the table. Okay. Okay. And so... is Does it ever become a problem, though? Like, if that's all you were thinking yeah, and, about and, her all the time? Yeah. And that's why I said when it becomes like your only desire for her. So how much is acceptable? <laughs> You you want a percentage here? Yeah, yeah. You, you like lines and percentages, and so uh huh. Uh -huh. I, I don't know how to get into lines and percentages on this one. Okay, I think that it's again it's part of the marriage, and I will say this too. I think there's I think there's different seasons of this of this of sexual desire in the in the context and the course of marriages. Right. Because of circumstances that are going on, because of sickness that's going on in one of the individuals. How old you are. How old you are, how young you are. I think all of that plays into it. You know, do we have young kids? Do we have no kids in the house? Like, I think all like there's so many things that are playing in playing in this. And so but so I don't want to get into percentages or those kind of things. I think that it does change. And I think that it's okay if one partner has a higher sex drive than the other doesn't mean there's anything wrong or bad. Um, and so I just think that we just have to be mindful that that our, our spouse is just, is they're, they're not there just for sex. Okay. And, and I think they need to make like, so you're saying they need that to the, feel that way. The lust can always be there for my wife. The sexual desire can always be there. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And also think about them other ways. Absolutely. So I'm still married okay. since the last question. <laughs> That's good. Okay. So if I am at a place mm -hmm. and I see a woman, okay. is that lust? If you see a woman, like yes. you just view physically, you see her. Yes. No, it's not lust. Do you see where I'm going with this already? Okay. Keep going. <laughs> okay. So. Basically, where do I get to I'm lusting? Okay. Like, if I be, am like, she is pretty. Okay, not lust. Okay, now, now the next step. Uh-huh. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I think once Where do it, I get to? Yeah, I think once it crosses that line to sexual okay. desire, 
I think that's where you cross the line. So like to acknowledge that someone is like for like, so again, I'm married to. So for me to acknowledge that another woman is beautiful, is pretty, that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. When it crosses that line and now there's sexual thoughts or desires behind that. Okay. That's where it becomes problematic. Okay. Yeah. So my next question is that this stuff just happens and you don't realize it. Okay. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it can. Yes. So, so did I sin? Okay. If I'm not, it, it, like, if I'm not, like, actively, if, if I wasn't actively doing it. Right. Like, like, because sometimes you can just go, wow, I just thought about the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. You, know you kind of kind of shake and you kind of come yeah. to. And, yeah. Yeah. Come okay. to. And so right. what do I do about that? Yeah. So, okay. I do think it's sin. Okay. In the sense of sin is anything we do that misses the mark of the will of God. Okay. Well, the will of God isn't for us to lust after any, any individual, whether consciously or subconsciously. Okay. Okay. So, so yes, it's sin. And so I think that when, so when that, I do think it's easy. Or it can be easy to slip into those lustful thoughts. Um, you know, for one, we're actually wired to have sexual desire. Right. So God wired that into us. So the wiring is actually, you know, that's in us is his. However, the fall and sin has taken that which God meant to be holy and good and has distorted that and made that which was beautiful to have sexual desire for our spouse. And also to now that sexual desire outside of that context has, you know, become depraved, broken. Um, okay. And so I think now we have this broken view of sex and sexuality. And wait, now as in like, 2023 well no i mean i think it's been here i think it's been here since the fall yeah um since they had to put leaves on yeah since they felt i mean from point one they start feeling ashamed yeah it's crazy um but this broken view of sex broken view of sexuality and and and, you know and we're in a highly sexualized culture Mm -hmm. and so you know due to the internet social media i mean it's so easy to just walk right in, step right into lust, or even just the clothes individuals wear or don't wear. It's it's so just easy to walk into that. Mm-hmm. Um and and to be honest with you, it's really become normalized. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like it's become normalized to like, oh, that's just, you know, boys will be boys, guys will be guys, but it's more than that. It's just lust has become normalized. Mm-hmm. Like so, so, you know, you look at it again on social media, you look at it on the internet. It's like, it's just, it's become normal. Um, and so therefore in light of the culture we're in and the brokenness of our own beings, yeah, it's lust is both active and passive. And I think we can actively engage in lust, but I do think as you're saying, there's that passive part where we're lusting after someone and then all of a sudden we kind of come to mm-hmm. realize what we've been doing. And and then I think from that point, we need to recognize, okay, that was an impure thought or thoughts. I need to repent. So in other words, change my mind. And and I need to, you know, ask the Lord to to help me with that. Because that's something, again, that's that just conveys the brokenness within me, that I can do that whole thing and kind of come to go, wait, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Or just looking at someone, staring at someone and go, wait a minute, I've been sexualizing them right. for this whole, you know, for 10 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever, a minute, whatever. And all, and it's like you come to, you're like, what, the, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. And I think that just, again, I think that just shows the the our own brokenness and our own need for healing in that. Um, you know, Paul does state in 2 Corinthians 10 that, he tells us to take every thought captive to obey Christ. And so I think when once we're aware of the thoughts, that's one thing we got to take it kind of captive and where we where we go, okay, God, I need to I need to repent of this. 
I need to move away from this way of thinking. And, and I do think that it becomes, you know, kind of a, a journey for us, if I'm being honest, to get there. Because I think lust is, I don't know how else to phrase it in our day and culture. I feel like it's just right there on, in your face all the time. Or the temptation to lust. Mm-hmm. I'll follow the pastor at Rev Joe T on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right, this one's for you. For me, huh? Yeah. Okay, okay. so... So... I feel, I feel like we've maybe talked about this before, but maybe not. Okay. So why does the church hate talking about this? Okay. Like So I'm now the spokesperson for yes, the whole church. Right. Okay, got it. Why? Like... Like, this episode's going to lose us followers. Okay. Why? I hope we'll probably lose some and gain some. Right. So we'll see what happens. Yes. But, but I understand the question of why would we lose followers for talking about sex or talking about lust. Right. Okay. Like, what is what is it? Yeah. And why is it always the people with the most children that hate talking about this? <laughs> right. Right? Okay. So. <laughs> it's always old people and they had 48 kids so and they're so, like let's not talk like, about like right, what, what? <laughs> and like a million grandchildren right like someone's doing it somewhere <laughs> and apparently often yes yeah <laughs> um okay so i think for for way too long the church the church has just I think they thought the very conversation of sex was wrong. Okay. Okay. So in other words, if, if there is a view of sex, that sex is only about procreation and you remove the part of it being pleasurable as part of being why God gave us sex, mm-hmm. then I think you just, all you simply do is go the pleasure component wrong. Cause this like, like, the thoughts are the first things that happen. Correct. Yeah. When you're growing up. Yeah. And, and no one prepares you. <laughs> nobody. No. Nobody tells you that's going to happen. Right. No, I agree. I agree with you. They just say, "Here's this thing," and they 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 don't tell you that you're going to be thinking about it all day, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and that's all you want. Right. Yeah. I know. And so again, I think if the church's longstanding position has been sex is wrong. Mm-hmm. Or lust is wrong. There's sh- we should not attach anything pleasurable to it. Right. It's just for procreation purposes. Then at that point, we don't want to have the conversation at all. That's what I'm in. And so, and then I think some church leaders are just too even afraid to talk about it. Right. Because they'll lose followers. They will lose followers. <laughs> Parents will get mad. Grandparents will get upset, whatever. But why is that? And they're scared though? to talk about it. That's what I want to know. Why? Like, what is it? What is it about these people that they that never want it mentioned? Like, why do we not want to talk about this thing that we all do, right? And that keeps civilization alive. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I know it. It is. It is. It is strange because you'd think that this would be one of the most normal conversations. Right. Because it's actually something that we all have in common. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, it's like when my it's wife. the only thing we have in common. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and so we have a very shallow relationship. <laughs> um, and so, but like when I'm like my wife and I, when we start doing premarital counseling with a couple, like we're up front with them. Hey, we're going to talk about sex. That, we don't... that sentence. That sentence you know, went a different direction than it sounded like. Oh, <laughs> okay. my wife and I, when we start premarital counseling with someone. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm staying with where I was yeah. going. All right. And so when we start premarital counseling with someone, like we're up front, like, Hey, we're going to talk about sex. We're not afraid to talk about sex. We're mm-hmm. unashamed to talk about sex. Sex is a good and holy gift given to us by God. So it needs to be talked about. Okay. But I do think that what you're getting to is even more deeper than the the idea of the act of sex, because you're dealing with like we're talking about lust here. We're talking yeah. about thoughts, emotions, things that happen in us as you know when we enter into puberty, right? That are that's occurring way before acts of sex, right? And we don't talk about that either, no, at all. Um, 
And I think it's terrible that we don't. Um, okay. I think that we need to let our kids know. So this is like both from parents and from churches, right? Right. We need to let our kids know. But we've talked about this before. What I want to know is why, if you started talking about it, I gotcha. people would be upset. I think some of it, and this is weird to me, Nate, because I think there's some of it that is like, we would call it being prudish or whatever. Like, we just don't talk about those kind of things in church. Like, and I guess that's part of what I'm talking about. Like, mm. if you view sex as, and you or if you view sexual desire as something that's just all the time unholy, right? All the time not good, even in the, like, even in marriage, like mm. much less outside of that. If it's something that we can't get our heads around, that's act, that God actually desired designed us to have sexual desire. Like if we can't get our head around that. And we think it's unholy, like every part of sexuality is unholy, that we're going to never want to talk about it. But what's weird is the grandparents now, like that generation, that's sexual revolution generation. Right. Like they should be the ones screaming from the rooftops of why we need to be talking about this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I even want to know what you're thinking. <laughs> All right. So, but like, cause I think they could speak to the, the, the reality of it, of the sexual desire, but also the consequences of that sexual desire mm. when not, when not quote unquote governed by, by God's law and by God's, and I, I say law, by God's ultimate plan and design for us to engage in sex in the context of marriage. And so, or only in the context of marriage. And so, and then their children weren't taught it either. Nope. And so, for example, I I do this, um, we have this program in our church on Wednesday nights. We call it Conversations with Scripture. And so we do this thing called Conversations with Scripture, and we just, we take parts of Scripture or not, we'll have a theme, mm. talk about that theme, and then we'll go through scripture to find out, you know, to find out what does scripture actually say about this. Well, one of the things that we have talked about lately is actual, the actual, like the, like sexuality. Mm. And, and, and nobody comes. <laughs> oh, they all come. <laughs> so, but, oh, yeah, but no, but they, like, I think there's a generation that realizes it needs to be talked about. Because they didn't hear it, and the generation before them didn't talk about it, and so but they want something different for their own kids, and so I think that there is a generation like I'm like in my early forties or mid forties, and I think there's a generation like my age, younger, that do want to talk about it, so that there is not all this inappropriate or unnecessary, you know, negative stigma attached to. Mm-hmm sexuality and sexual desire and so i think that when you're talking about lust specifically like it needs to be understood that we're wired to have sex like and to have sexual desire and then to talk you know with young people if we're talking about young people in particular here as they're going through puberty and in their teenage years how do we deal with lust other than to say other other than don't have sex Right. Because that's just and terrible. And never think about it. Yeah, and because that's just unrealistic. All right, well, when you do a series of sermons about lust and sex and all that, uh-huh. just let me know when, because I want to be there for every week, and I'm, I'm going to sit in the back and watch everyone be uncomfortable. <laughs> that's what, you're, that's yes. what your goal is? Yes. Okay. It's, it's, I'll let you know. Okay. We've got a series coming. Really? Yeah. Okay. So. Also... I've heard from pastors that whenever they do talk about this, that mm-hmm. it's really hard for them to do not make innuendos on accident and have everyone laugh at them. Okay. Because it's totally happening. Right. So is, that, is that something that you've ever experienced? Um, 
like when you're doing premarital counseling or something and they're and they just start laughing and you don't realize why they're laughing and it's because you made a sex joke while oh, talking about sex and you didn't, you didn't realize, realize it. it yeah i guess i don't know <laughs> i don't know uh, i'm trying to think yeah I don't, I don't know that doesn't but that doesn't that doesn't bother me though oh. like um like it doesn't bother me yeah, it doesn't. It does, I guess it doesn't. I guess that wouldn't bother me because mm-hmm. I'm um, not saying it bothers you. I'm just wondering if they laugh at you sometimes. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they do. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure people laugh at me, right? And and I think some of the times the laughter is also because they're uncomfortable, right? In that situation, having their pastor talk to them, right? Yeah. Okay, so women think about sex different. Sure. Right. Sure. So, okay. So if, if a woman was thinking about the guy that could fly them to Dubai and buy them a bunch of stuff, is that lust? Yeah. I mean, it could be a craving. Okay. Sure. Okay. Is that a lustful desire out of a person? Yeah. Because that's not thinking about, that's thinking about them as an object. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So yes. Okay. Absolutely. Women can do that. Okay. Yeah. Or I guess, it, I guess the opposite could be true, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But yes. But that's yeah. the way they think about it sometimes more often different. Sure. Like men don't think about it that way as much. No, I mean, no. I mean, we're pretty yeah. simple and crude with yeah. it, to be honest. <laughs> right. And, but, I, and I, but again, I guess that's something I, I would want to bring up. Like, But I don't want to think, I don't want us to say that women only lust in a romanticized version or right. way. Like the reality is, is that women have just a strong sexual desire as men do, especially like in different seasons of their life, but especially in those, you know, early, you know, teenage puberty years mm-hmm. and, and in their teenage years, like the reality is, and, and, and I won't just label it within that context. I'm just saying it's probably stronger at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, ke- it continues to go on through their life as it should. Because they're wired that way as well. So, yeah, on the whole, maybe it is true that we men have a stronger sexual desire. But I don't want to convey, I don't want it to come across as if women don't have that. And or like they get married or have some kids and it just shuts down. Like, yeah, no, like women have sexual desire as well. And because this seems like a every time anybody hears this word, they associate it with men. Correct. Right. Yeah, and 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 really they shouldn't. Right. Okay. Because it's just in as church. Big, it's I mean. in church. Yeah. Sure. And they really shouldn't because, and I think that's what creates this terrible kind of cloak of shame that is placed upon women for ha- even having sexual desire. Mm-hmm. Like, like they're like I, I'm trying to be real careful not to divulge too much, but like I was doing counseling with someone one time. Mm-hmm. And they were telling me about the fact that when they were having, like, they felt so much shame as a young woman growing up in the church environment. They felt so much shame for having, even having sexual desire, that they began cutting themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the degree of the shame that came upon them. That's what the verse says to do. Huh? (laughs) What? That's what the verse says to do. To cut yourself? That if you're having sexual desire, oh, cut, cut your eye out. out. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, Lord. Nate. Okay. <laughs> now you're just waiting to see the answer. All right. You're like, man. Yeah. But no, but like, but you understand what I mean. So, like, yes. so the fact that there's so much shame that they're actually cutting themselves in shame. They would rather deal with that pain than the pain of shame. That to me is so, I, I, and I don't want to know, I don't think it's that deep for everyone that grows up in any kind of church environment. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is, is that we have to normalize it again. Like, in other words, we have to say men, like young men and men have sexual desire. Young ladies, women have sexual desire. Like, okay, but if we those, normalize, we, we need to say that. If we normalize that, then where does that meet sin? 
Yeah. And so I guess what I'm saying is we have to, I guess, acknowledge it. Okay. A- acknowledge it. We have e- to acknowledge that everyone's sinning. Sure. Okay. I mean, I think if we're being honest about it, we're all struggling with the temptation to lust. Okay. Men and women both. I'm just going to have a bunch of left-eyed people. <laughs> well, well, I think, though, that it's if we, okay, if we acknowledge it, right? Mm-hmm. So if we say there is sexual desire that's happening mm-hmm. in both you know, young men, men, young ladies, women, that's happening. Now we, we've, we've, we've dealt with the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. It's there. Now, how do we go about as a Christian community helping one another through this? Right. Right. Because I can't, I can't sit there and look at my own kids in the face and go, you know what? Sexual desire is there it's normal but just don't lust that's not helping them i think we have to say here's now how we're going to navigate these waters wait so you're separating sexual desire from lust yes okay okay so let me put it this way we all have a desire to have sex yeah okay i think that desire to have sex can become lust once it's once we've kind of crossed that line of now we're actually playing out sexual fantasies in our yeah. own mind okay. or in our own heart, right? Where we cross that line of going like it for every one of us to go, yeah, there's sexual does like I have I am wired, like God desired, designed me and wired me mm-hmm. to have sexual desire. Okay. Sin has jacked that up. Right. And okay, and sin has jacked up that desire, okay, to where it now becomes this distorted thing that it was supposed to be, this broken thing. And now, instead of being able to go, yep, I have a desire to have sex. So Adam and Eve, before they sinned, uh-huh. only had sexual desire for each other. Yes, and never thought about it in any other context ever. Correct. Okay. I think, and I, and I think, and then distort that it all got just broken and distorted, and now that desire like really allows almost like sin to take hold of it, and that desire becomes sin, and that's why they could be naked. Yeah, because and, neither of them were ever thinking about anything else. Right, and it says they were naked and unashamed. Right. Okay. Yeah, the end of Genesis two, and they were naked and unashamed. Okay. And that makes sense. Yeah. And so, and so, and then the sin happens, you know, you mentioned it earlier. First thing they do, they cover themselves up. Mm. Shame hits. Right. And, and it's broken ever since. And I think that we need to help. I Like, it's not just for young people, like just the people in church in general, right? Mm. Like, Hey, this thing is there. What now do we do with it? Because we've never wanted to talk about it. Right. We've never wanted to address it. And I know that when I bring it up, whether on Sunday mornings or on Wednesday nights, there's people, there are people who are uncomfortable when I bring it up because they've always been told that Mm. church and sex are like two, they have to be separated. They don't belong together, right? Like we don't talk about sex in church. Or have sex in church. Well, you probably shouldn't have sex in church, but yeah, but, but, but we're not going to talk about sex in church sex is not holy not good therefore we're not going to talk about it and and i think what we have to do is redeem that sex really is holy and is good in the context of marriage Mm -hmm. and then backing that up one more step and we all have desire now that desire to have sex can become lustful thoughts all right now what do we do as a community to help one another with that. And I think that's kind of that next, I don't know if you want to frame it that way, but like that next step, that next, all right, we're going to acknowledge it. And now we're going to talk about what to, what do we do with it? Mm. Right. And how, and how do we get down to the core? Like if it's related to our brokenness and sin, how do we, then be, we should be able to talk about it, talk about it. And 
how do we then become healthy and whole in that area? Right. Because if it's, again, really to our brokenness, then part of our being transformed into the likeness of Christ should be a healing in that area. And so, therefore, I, I just think that this needs to be a much bigger, broader conversation than what the church has usually been willing to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and this isn't just an American church issue, by the way. Like this is like the nuances may be different in different countries, but this is just a church issue globally. And and we've really got to begin to speak to it in a more faithful manner. How is lust affecting my life if I'm doing lust? Okay, so how... Like what's wrong with a little lust every now and then? All right, so I think it... I think... I think it really depends, like, where on the spectrum we are in lust. Okay? So let me... let me, let me. me. There's a spectrum. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Oh, God. <laughs> What podcast are we on now? <laughs> Here we go. All right. all right. So, all right. Bear with me. Because yeah. you have to. <laughs> but, but so like on one end. I want straight lines. I know you do. Not spectrum. <laughs> you want, here's good. Yeah. Here's Here, bad. Here's bad. Yeah. Right. No gray. <laughs> I know. And so, I mean, we, we can't agree that lust is always sin. Okay. okay. Yeah. But we, you're asking, how is it affecting my life? Right. If I'm doing sinful lust, what, how is it affecting like, me? What is going on with me then? Right. So I think there's the one end in where you've got what I would call just the normal battle with the temptation of lust. Okay. So in other words, because of what we're seeing, of what we're viewing, like because of just the world we live in, mm-hmm. um, John in the the apostle john in in his letter first john talks about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the mm-hmm. eyes and the and that's that's within this world okay in other words so just every time you go to confession just one hail mary for lust every time a dude walks in there. <laughs> like let's just get that out of the right. way we don't have to talk about it right well, well. we know I think what else probably, is going on? I think it probably should be acknowledged, but yeah, I do think <laughs> probably every single time we have confession, we probably should confess that. Okay. Um, and so, but you know, there's, I think there's that, so there's that one side where it's like the, the regular battle, but like, there's not an addiction attached to it. Mm-hmm. There's not a coping attached to it. It's just the regular battle that we're facing in our day-to-day lives it's not all consuming. It's not, um, you know, it's not consuming our time, our resources, those kind of things. Okay. It's just a regular battle we're facing that we're dealing with off and on throughout, you know, our weeks, our months, our years. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, and I'm not saying that's, and I'm not saying that's like we just go, well, that's just what it is. All I'm saying is that's, that's the reality, right? Mm-hmm. I think that on the other end, there's some who have, you know, attached porn and sexual, you know, promiscuity with lust, and and then it's becoming really damaging. Okay, how? All right. So, like, so for, I think, like, for an example, like, it's, like, this is creating an unhealthy lifestyle. That people that people are struggling with or falling are falling into occasionally, um, and again for some it's coping, and this is so the, the problem where the, where it becomes destructive is because this is like unhealthy coping, right? So if I'm coping, dealing with trauma, trauma, okay, depression, anxiety, this becomes in other words lust becomes my outlet, okay that becomes now attached to something like pornography. Is that, is that all the way, always the way it works? Or sexual morality. Do you think that's always the way it works? That's like, always coping? Yeah. No. Okay. No. I think for some it's coping. Okay. And then I think that coping can become, can turn into an addiction. Okay. And then I think others, it just is an addiction. There's no okay. coping mechanism behind it. 
I was, ex you know, someone's exposed to it at a young age. There's no trauma. There's no, mm. you know, horrible sexual sin that's been committed to them or those kind of things. And they've just, but they're exposed to it at some point in time. And it becomes regular a part of their lives. And then it becomes addictive because looking at pornography or engaging in sexual, you know, promiscuity can become addictive. So what if it's just like a, a thing that what what if it's just like a thing that I actively do every now and again like how is that affecting life yeah you're talking about lust yeah well I th you know I think that if it's something I'm just I'm just doing every once in a while while you're phrasing it right I think that like it's not an addiction it's not right. like a trauma thing right it's just like this is just what's happening yeah yeah then I think it's the same it's having the, it's having the same effect on us that any other sins having an okay. effect on okay. us. Yeah. So I don't think it's 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 no different than greed or pride, things we talked about before. Like okay. like it's still like it's what it what it does is I think all of those things have the potential to harden us to where we're not loving. Yes, it does. <laughs> See? Told you. I told you. <laughs> it has the potential <laughs> to cause us to become unloving mm -hmm. okay. toward others. Same way pride is. Same same way that greed can. So we when we talked about pride, you said it could alienate people. So if this. Mm -hmm. So, like, I guess you're saying lust is just going to show in my personality somehow or something and make people not want to well, be around me. Okay, I think I think it hurts. Again, I think it hurts us on a, okay, on an individual spiritual level. Okay. Because any, like any sin does. Mm -hmm. Because now we're outside of the will of God. So we need to repent and ask for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Okay. It can if if it's if it's running through my mind, right? Then I know I'm not thinking about things that I should be thinking about. Right. Okay. Okay. Yep. So in this taking up, you know, thoughts, it's taking up emotions. It's you know that kind of thing. Okay. But and then it's and then it's objectifying other people. That's kind of the part where I think we start becoming unloving. Like in other words, especially if we're object like. We're objectifying, like, you know, for example, if I was objectifying the opposite sex. Okay. Then the problem can become is I only view the opposite sex as individuals I lust after or I attach just physical desire or physical appearance to that person. Okay. That's so, all that there is. So what is the difference within me, within my brain, mm -hmm. and what... Or heart, or core being, or whatever. Right. If I'm spending all this time lusting after my wife versus lusting after someone else, okay. How does that? What is the difference? Okay. What's the difference? Yeah. Like, yeah. how is that two different things? Because, because if I'm if I'm if I have sexual desire for my wife, right? There's outlets for that, aka sex okay. with her. Right. right. Okay. Um. And so, and it's it's and, and it's remaining in that covenant relationship where it's fine and okay. I think the problem is when it breaks outside of that. Rarely does it isolate on just one other person. Okay. Now that lust becomes attached to other women. Right. Right. Okay. Where and it's not just necessarily just one person. It's just the you know whoever I'm encountering that day. So this is just like a God said don't type of thing. Yeah. Okay. And again, because we don't want to, because hopefully in the context of marriage, I'm, I'm, you know, yes, I have sexual desire for my wife, but we're also best friends. We're all, we also love doing things together. We're, we like, we like mm -hmm. hanging out with each other. We talk with each other. We go out to dinner with each other, right? All of that's a normal, full relationship is happening there. Okay. With other individuals, when it's just lust, right? I'm sinning by looking at them as something other than God's thing. 
than God's image, okay. and God's creation, and I've narrowed the scope of what that relationship is. Okay. In other words, it's because it's not this full relationship I have with my spouse where it's, again, full and healthy and alive. It's it's something more than that so or something is, less than that with somebody else. Because I've asked you this about the other two things uh-huh. that we've done already, and it's just an inside me thing. It's like a how. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, but it's also probably going to cause, like, if it's a routine thing in me, it's going to cause the inability to connect with someone of the of for, like someone of the opposite sex. So if I keep lusting after other people, it's going to affect the lust for my wife and cause problems there. Uh yeah, sure, it'll do that as well. Okay, so what would I do to stop being lustful? Okay. All right. How do I turn down the lust? How do you turn it down? All right. Um, All right. So I think, you know, so there's the practical things of where we set up boundaries of what we view, look at on our screens. Okay. That's the most practical thing that can happen. Right. But that doesn't get down to the heart of the fact that when we talked about earlier, that lust is just a symptom of my brokenness. Oh, okay. Right. So like... In other words, like there's like filters and all this kind of stuff you can put on your phones, on your computers that prevent you from seeing certain things, which can trigger you going down a rabbit hole of lust. All right. But so if you so you're saying if I watch porn with a filmmaking eye instead of a lustful eye, that's OK. Um, nope. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not. If I'm looking for angles and lighting. Uh huh. Nope. Okay. No. No. All right. Just no. All right. But <laughs> so I think that when when again because the brokenness that's within us because of sin, you know, when we talk about dealing with lust, the same way we talk about dealing with greed or pride, it's I've got to get to something that's deeper in my heart, mm-hmm. and, and 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 so therefore. I have to recognize this as, as as a brokenness within me, my being, and as a sex and as a spiritual matter as well to become whole. In other words, if maturity in Christ is becoming more and more like Christ, then I want to become like Christ in this area. Okay, Christ didn't lust; he was perfect. Obviously, not once there was ever. not brokenness. Nope, not once ever. But I think that and that's where I was talking about earlier, like when we were talking about what do we do with the fact that sexual desire is there or lust is there. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, we were talking about walking through it with the community. I think that for me as an individual, I look at, all right, so lust, there's a brokenness issue there that's leading to lust. And so therefore, I say, I want to, and I think, and I won't go off on this tangent, I think there's a um, uh, an intimacy issue there. A, a knowing and being known is, issue there. Okay. And so therefore I think intimacy with God being known by God and, and knowing God is kind of like that first step. Like as I'm growing in my relationship with Christ, as I'm looking more and more, or as I'm, I'm discovering more and more of who he is and who I am in him, it causes me to look more like Christ, but it also causes me to think more like Christ. And that's that, or the thinking part because I'm in his word, the word's renewing my mind. I'm thinking more along the lines of how Jesus would think. But then I also think there's this aspect of the community. There's this aspect of like that Ephesians 5 of I'm going to bring all of this darkness into the light. And I do, you mentioned it earlier, but I do actually think confession is a huge part of this. Um, and, you know, one of the founders of Methodism, John Wesley, John would say that gathering to gathering groups of, you know, just a few people, what he would call bands, get them together in a few people. And one of the questions is, like, have you lusted this week? Right. And then throwing it out. Yeah, I have. This is how. And I'm confessing it, you know, or if you didn't lust, were you tempted to? Yes. This is, you know, and mm-hmm. I think keeping things in the light with other, like, so for me, if I'm keeping things in the light with a few other brothers in Christ, that's keeping, I think, the power of sin from being at its strongest because the kingdom of Satan is a kingdom of darkness. So anything left in the dark allows 
Satan and, and the demonic host to have more of an influence power in my life. When I'm a wide open book, bring everything into the light. Now I'm living in the kingdom of the light and, and there's no more stronghold okay. for the enemy to have to further influence that. In other words, excuse me, I realize, like I fully realize that the temptation to lust is going to be there. I get that. But I also think the more and more we bring things into the light, the, 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 the freer we can be. Um, you know, someone once said that deep confession leads to deep healing. And I do think there's a deep healing that's found in that confession. So, um, again, this isn't to say that this causes lust to just disappear. I'm just saying this is the journey we go on to look more like Christ, thus think more like Christ. Well, I know talking about this is hard, but I'm glad that we penetrated through it and got to the bottom of it. Yeah. I'll cut that part out. <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> well, this has been the When I Heard This Podcast. <laughs> you can follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at When I Heard This Podcast and X and Locals at When I Heard This. Um, like, subscribe, share, comment, follow, download, Patreon, $5. Tell your friends about the show. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Nate Robinsoff, and you can follow Joseph on Instagram at Rev Joe T. This has been the When I Heard This Podcast, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Oh,